Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from a beautiful, sunny Southern California. All those East Coasters like, oh, L.A., it's just, uh, what, uh, 80 degrees? Okay, we can kind of host the Super Bowl there, right? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. We're uh, live at Radio Row, where uh, um, it's quiet as a church mouse here, but soon to pick up. Eric Dickerson will join us. A little bit later on the show, so too with the great Icky Woods and Barry Sanders, who I almost blew off. Didn't know he was standing there trying to talk to me, and I was doing my wordle. I was doing my wordle today, and I'm down to my last two, and I got three of the letters. Oh, and I'm, 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 I, I don't want this to be the first wordle I don't get. And and, and they're like, uh, uh, Doug, uh, Doug, uh, Doug, uh, and I look up and like, oh, it's Barry Sanders there. You know, the greatest running back of all time. We'll be sharing alma mater with. So, anyway, the great Barry Sanders will be joining us a little bit later on in the show. We got a lot to get to. I think the most curious story of Super Bowl week has already come and it hasn't gone, but it's just kind of looming out there. And I'll give you a basketball analogy it reminds me of in a second. So, yesterday, Dan Beyer, who is our sleuth social media detective. I mean, he's all about the gram. It's really hard to get him to do his job. Anytime you hear us go to Dan and we can't yeah. get Dan, it's because he's posting on the gram or, or on Snap or on, uh, on Twitter. TikTok. TikTok is very, very big yep. TikToker. He knows all the, the dances. I do have a TikTok account. There's just no videos. Right. On it. He just does it to see other people yeah. do the Macarena. Yep. That's it. Right. And that, that's so Dan's very big on. But our social media sleuth, apparently Kyler Murray pulled the Arizona Cardinals the follow of the Arizona Cardinals off his IG and his Twitter handle as well, which, of course, perked up everybody's information, uh, everybody's attention, excuse me. Everybody got was like, whoa, whoa. And, and this reminds me, if you watch the NCAA tournament selection show, and I got a chance to do it for four years at CBS, there's always, we call it a Sunday surprise. There's always a team like, I didn't have them in a field, and I haven't even thought of discussing that. How did that? How did Tulsa got in one year? How did Tulsa? How did Middle Tennessee State? It's almost like they took a. Listen, we need a team that nobody's talking about just to screw them up, just to screw with Joe Lenardi. Like, just just throw one in there to go. Like, how would they get in there? This off season in the NFL, much like the previous two off seasons, only maybe this season kind of on steroids, is feels like it's going to be the quarterback movement. Offseason. And look, we had Phillip Rivers move from the Chargers to the Colts going back two years ago. We had Jameis Winston move from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Saints two years ago. And then as a backup, and then Drew Brees retired, he became the starter. And, you know, we had Tom Brady two years ago, saved us during the pandemic. Nothing else to talk about. We had The Last Dance, a documentary about a 25-year-old basketball story and Tom Brady switched teams from the Patriots to the Buccaneers also two years ago so we have had off seasons two years ago was probably the most quarterback movement of big name quarterbacks we've ever had but this 
has been built up to be the offseason of movement, much like we've seen in NBA offseason years in the past. Aaron Rodgers, obviously the biggest name. We don't know. Does he want to stay in Green Bay? He's throwing out the retirement thing. In order for him to move, he has to be traded. Would the Packers even even be open to trading him? Would he force his way out? Would they trade him to anybody? Does that have to be an AFC? There's a lot of That's just Aaron Rodgers. With Big Ben retiring, with uh, Tom Brady retiring, now there's two more starting positions that are open, and there will be more quarterback movement. Plus, you have Russell Wilson, who wasn't happy last year. And, of course, the Seahawks have come out and said, we want to hold on to Russell Wilson. Last year, it was Stafford. He changed teams. We had some other movement as well. This year, it could be, again, could be Aaron Rodgers, could be Russell Wilson, And then you start to look at who else could be moved. Doesn't feel like Cousins, doesn't feel like Matt Ryan because of the money that they're owed, but it's not crazy to think that those guys could be on the move. It's not crazy to think that somebody like a Deshaun Watson could be moved, right? Deshaun's still sitting out there, but we've all talked about Deshaun. We've all talked about Russell Wilson. We've all talked about Aaron Rodgers. Have you heard anybody say, hey, maybe Kyler Murray could be moved? Or maybe Kyler Murray wants to force his way out. Have you, have you, has anybody heard that? But then it kind of all sort of makes sense, right? When you factor in the Cardinals finish poorly and Kyler Murray, and we point out, and you're, you're listening to a guy who was, and we, got the, we have the receipts, October of his final season at OU playing quarterback, I was the first one to walk people through why He should absolutely play football. Football was actually the better financial decision than baseball, even though people think that baseball is a better financial decision. I'm a Kyler Murray fan. And yet, could Kyler Murray either be forcing his way out or could they be moving him? Does he know... Is this a contract negotiation? You know, it's the old clear clear out your office, or I'll give you the one that everybody relates to. If you're ever negotiating for a car, you know, those are the things that used to be on car lots that you used to be able to negotiate and used to say, I'm not paying sticker price. Now they want sticker price plus because there's no inventory. But you used to be able to go, hey, I know that's not what you're actually paying. It's not even the invoice. There's the holdback plus the rebates and all the other stuff. You used to be able to negotiate your car your car, and now I'm not talking about online, I'm talking about actually going and having a car. And the most powerful move you can make in car negotiations is to walk out the door. Right? To walk out the door. Is that what, is that what Kyler Murray's doing? You know, cleaning out his office, walking out the door if you don't want to negotiate a long-term contract extension. But again, I want you to think about this. The last time we saw him play football, it was against the Rams in the same stadium that's going to host the Super Bowl. And he looked awful. He looked lost. He looked overwhelmed. Did he look that way because he thought the team's not good enough? The coaching isn't right? Or are they down on him because he's just too little and not good enough? And in that moment where he's pressured, he did, in fact, freeze. Whatever happened, whatever happened in the wild card round, whether he got exposed or Kingsbury got exposed or they both got exposed or the franchise got exposed, whatever it was, despite the fact that their win totals have gone up, 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 there's clearly some unrest there. And the Sunday surprise has to be, you know, I never thought about this, but maybe they moved Kyler Murray. Right? My brain started working overtime as I'm driving home yesterday talking about the Kyler Murray thing. Like, hmm, he's kind of a Texas legend. 
Texans need a quarterback. What about the Texans? Huh, Carolina needs a quarterback. What about Carolina? Miami need, might need a quarterback. They have a new coach. What about them? It's just, it starts, your whole brain start. or could he do baseball, leverage it for baseball? Probably not, but at least it's a small percentage chance possibility. The Kyler Murray story, kind of like the Tom Brady retirement that got completely overshadowed because of the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit, the Kyler Murray story is soon going to get caught up in the whitewash of the Super Bowl. But, man, it's sitting out there, and I got to tell you, that was not the name or not even one of the top ten names that I thought would potentially be moved in the offseason. And now you got to add it to it, right? Like last year, I'm not sure we saw the Jared Goff thing coming from Matt Stafford, but when you thought about it for a second, Sean McVay, who never criticizes the individual players. When they lose, it's always about the coaches screwed up and the players are great. When they win, it's always about the players are great and the coach. The only guy that, that you could ever say he criticized was Jared Goff, right? And it did feel like there was something there, but the trade happened really, really quickly. Look at Kyler Murray and start to look at how poorly he played down the stretch, how lost he looked, whether it was disinterested or disheartened or another word that starts with the letters D-I-S. Whatever it was, someone right with that team, someone right with Kyler at the end of the year, and then he pulls, pulls uh, he unfollows the Cardinals on IG and Twitter, which is a very NBA way of saying I'm not happy, but it definitely resonates. And it definitely makes you think he could be our surprise quarterback on the move. At Gottlieb Show is the Twitter handle. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up uh, the Doug Gottlieb Show uh, page on Facebook or on Instagram as well. To answer your question, I don't know what Kyler's doing. I don't know if he's negotiating. I don't know if he wants to be moved. I don't know if he doesn't like management. He doesn't like the offensive line. doesn't like the coaching staff. He doesn't like the scheme. I don't know. I just know that these stories all have a similar start when a player is unhappy. And usually part of that start is he unfollowed either a coach, a teammate, or a team. And then shortly thereafter, he was moved. Um, Okay, speaking of quarterbacks moving, would Tom Brady, who, let's just be honest, he might be the NFL's MVP, he had a pretty good year. If he's quitting, it's not because he's fallen off the proverbial cliff that people thought. Could Tom Brady come out of retirement? We'll get to that upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, I believe that there's like five guys in the history of the NFL that if you say their name, no one would argue that they're the best ever at what they did, right? Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. Please don't start arguing with me. It's not really <laughs> worth it, right? Just is, okay? Um, Ryan Lott was the greatest safety of all time. Not really. Deion Sanders was the best cover corner of all, of all time, right? Uh, Lawrence Taylor was the best, uh, would you, I guess, rush end outside linebacker like of all time. And then Barry Sanders is the greatest running back of all time. Now, now look, I understand Walter <laughs> Payton had more yards, but that's because Barry, we'll ask him why he shut it down before he would have passed his mark. But 
he was in like an untackleable player. It was really remarkable. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here. Um, what is that like to carry the respect to walk into any room and you're synonymous with the best at what you've you've done for your football career? No, it's, it's awesome, man. And I just got to say, be, be careful what you say about Walter Payton, man. I mean, come on now. Oh, he's great. Be careful what you say about no, Walter. No, listen, <laughs> I, and Walter Payton was amazing. And there's, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's, there's two or three other guys that, you know, I mean, Emmett was great and Walter Payton was great, but I don't know. I mean, and look, I think Marshall Falk changed the position forever. You know, the ability to catch it out of the backfield. The combo, yeah, the, absolutely. The combo. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of just yeah. hand the ball, I appreciate the, that, hand man. the guy the ball it. and Go make a play for us. There ain't any, ever been anybody as good as, as as what you did. What people don't Doug, know. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, for for me, I I just took so much great pride um, in playing the position. Um, you know, you talk about Walter. I was that little kid watching, studying Walter Payton, studying uh, Terry Metcalf, or Greg Pruitt, or Tony Dorsett, or Marcus Allen, or a list of you know other guys. Um, it was no bigger honor um, for me in the lineup at seven yards deep as a running back. Um, it was just such a, a big thrill and pleasure for me. And I put all my work and effort into it, um, you know, and just trying to stay healthy and and really um, sharpen my skills and talent. Um, you know, I was I was that kid at, you know, in, in middle school jogging through my neighborhood. You know, not you know, I didn't know where it was going to lead to, but I just knew I wanted to get in shape for football. And sometimes I barely saw the field, um, but I love being a part of a team. I love suiting up and playing football at no matter what level. So, so yeah, it, it was, you know, so, yeah, that's the kind of mentality I took with me onto the NFL field, that they, it was just such great pride and the privilege to play against the best players, um, you know. And I'm, I'm jealous of you, by the way, because, you know, my first love is basketball, you know, so you being a college basketball player, I, I just have to say I'm, I'm a little jealous sitting here. All football players, and you went to the we'll Oklahoma State. You went to Oklahoma State before <laughs> I did, but all football players want to be basketball players, right? And so most basketball players want to be, they don't want to be football players. They want to be like rappers and performers and singers and whatever, right? Everybody wants to be something else. Yeah. Actually, most people want to be basketball players. I just thought I'd mention that. No, and, but, and, uh, and, and, and Oklahoma State, all football players just show up at the Colvin Center. Right in the spring, and want to hoop with the with the basketball players, and you guys were all super athletic, dribbled like you're dribbling with your elbows because it's a, a different, you know, different stick and ball sport, but all crazy, crazy no, athletic. I thought I was a little different though than most football players. We don't have to get into like my scouting report as a basketball player. You know, so I'm just saying, you know, I'm a little jealous of you. All right, that's, here, I'm, you know, so I'm I, a little just, more than a little bit. Say that. People yeah. don't know. People don't know you were only a starter at Oklahoma State for one year. Right, right, correct. Because, correct. Hey, but you were an All-American kick returner as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a, so- yes. excuse as me, a sophomore, as a sophomore. Yes. And right. you're like, who could possibly start ahead of Barry Sanders? Like they had a guy named Thurman Thomas in the same <laughs> backfield. That was an insane, insane. No, it was, it was, and it was a treat for me because I, I met Thurman on my recruiting trip. He doesn't remember it, but I remember just talking to him, you know, um, because the gentleman that showed me around was his sweet mate or whatever. So he took me to talk to Thurman. Um, you know, and at, at that year, he um, I think he had some Heisman Trophy votes or whatever. That would have been his sophomore year, I believe, um, and had a big year. And I was just a high school freshman and then coming in and being able to, you know, just see how he approached the game every day because we knew that, OK, yeah, this guy's headed to the league, um, you know. And and so uh, so I learned a lot from him. Um, he was such a 
complete player. And he, he just really seemed more mature, so much more mature than the rest of us, <laughs> um, you know, and, and uh, which, which he was. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so as a, as a young running back um, football player, it was great just being around him every day. What, how, this is my question I've always had for you. I don't know if I've ever truly asked it, is how were you able to see ahead of the play, right? Like when we watched the, the films of you, it wasn't just that you'd make people miss. It was like you knew where all these guys are coming from and you knew where the, the open area, how do you, how'd you do, how, wh- where does that vision come from? I, I feel like that's what I saw a lot of other really good running backs do. I, I feel like I saw Marcus Allen set guys up, right? I remember his, his senior year at USC running for 2,000 yards. Um, even, even the guys before him, right? Charles White. Right before him, Anthony Davis. Tailback you before him, but, um, but they used to run student you know, body right and student body did. left. A I'm lot just of times saying, get the but not Marcus Allen though. Mar- well, they did that, but Marcus Allen, he he was more poetic in his in his running, sure. right? And he set guys up. Yeah. Um, and you, I'm, I'm just talking about running backs in general. Um, just growing up watching that, and I felt like good running backs did that. You know, they they, they set guys up. They were looking, you know, two and three guys uh, defenders down the field. Like you know, like you're coming up on a guy, and I mean, I can't imagine being somebody trying to tackle you, right? Or they're they're coming, they're diving in your feet. Do you even? I'll, I'll just give you the basketball perspective. Is I never worried about the guy who was in front of me. Right, that guy, he was right. not taking the ball from me, mm-hmm. okay? And you, when you're trying to see a basketball floor, but for me, it was more passing, right? You just, you know where the windows are. You see a guy open. You kind of know where the, it's a feel thing. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. don't pay attention to the guy in front of you. The difference is in football, if you don't pay attention to the guy in front of you or the immediate guy, he's going to hit it's you and a tackle problem, right? <laughs> it's a problem. So, I like, was it, I mean, again, did, when, were you, was he just, I'll deal with the next problem. That I'm worried about this guy, then set that guy up to the next guy. You know, all these runs we see, there's multiple guys falling down, like almost Keystone Cops things. And I'm just wondering, like, what goes through your mind during those plays? I, I think for me, it was that awareness of several defensive guys right there. Right. It was it was that awareness. I mean, I, I knew that I wasn't an Earl Campbell type player. I, was, I wasn't just going to get the ball and run through anybody or, you know, and so it, it was setting those guys up. It was that awareness of. You know, yeah, the safety, the linebacker, the corner, whatever, whatever the case may be, and just being able to, to react to it. Um, and I think, I, I think that's really what it is. You know, that awareness to react, um, and it really anticipation. Yes. You know, as well. You know, and so I think all those Can things it be could be added. That's a that's a tough question because again, I I've been enamored and fascinated with running the football since I sat down as a youngster with my dad and watched football in run in running backs in particular. So I don't I don't know if it can can be taught, um, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but you know, I, I feel like it was always the way that I played the game, and it's certainly something that I watched guys like Terry Metcalf, yeah. you know, little squirrely guy, or guys like Joe Washington, yeah. you know. Um, I know I'm going back a few years, no, but, I, I, but I you know, little squirrely guys, yes. you know, who were spinning and cutting back um, and twisting, and, and um, you know, they weren't they weren't they weren't running over well, anybody. I think you know, so. uh, Brian's song. Who am I thinking? Um, Gil Sayers. Gil Sayers. Gil Sayers. Yeah, Gil, absolutely. Gil, absolutely. Gil, I, I definitely stole a lot of Gil Sayers stuff. So, so. <laughs> So, okay, you, you watched Stafford, and he basically experienced kind of your life as a Detroit Lion for so long. And now he's having success, and he's playing in the do, – do you, 
Is there any part of you that's like, man, that should have been me? I should. I wish I would have. Am gone. I jealous? You're asking me, am I jealous? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you say you're jealous of me, which I don't know why you would be jealous of me, right? We, but of of Matt Stafford getting out of Detroit and getting a shot at a team that is all invested in winning, right? As opposed to what you went through it, and it wasn't that they weren't trying. Wayne Fonts had you guys. You made made some playoff runs, whatever. But it was different. Right. It's different than Detroit and what the Rams are doing. Is there any part of you that's that's jealous of of, of Stafford? What, what what I say is. I'm happy. I'm thrilled for him. I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see Matthew Stafford, um, you know, in, in this situation, such a great situation for him. I, I don't know if I can compare it. I, I don't necessarily want to say, you know, LeBron going to Miami. Yeah. Right. But they this this roster is is um, so stacked. And, and it's such a great situation for him. And it's funny because, you know, watching him all those years in Detroit, um, you know, really hitting his head up against the wall, going up against Green Bay, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he owns he owns that division. Yes. Right? He owns it. Um, you know, and we can never really get past them. And, you know, we had enough battles with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota and, and even the Bears. Um, but to see – and so the reason I bring that up is because there was always that conversation of, okay, is Matt Stafford, is he more of an Aaron Rodgers or is he more of a Kirk Cousins or who is he? You know, I, I, and I think this year he's shown who he is. He's, he's shown who he is. Um, you know, you put him in a great situation. The guy has thrived, and so I'm happy for him. Um, you know, it, it's uh, you look at that roster um, and what they've been able to do, but obviously he's been able to bring all that together. Uh, you retired, and you were about a season and a half away from breaking Walter Payton's all-time rushing mark, right? And I remember... I remember when you retired, I felt bad for you just because I felt like you needed to get the credit that you deserved. And sometimes setting that record, even though it might not have mattered to you, to everybody else, it, 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 seemed, it seemed sometimes to matter in how we view you historically. Um, when you shut it down, was there moments in which you thought, I did it too soon? Because you had all your faculties, right? It wasn't, they didn't carry you off your last, <laughs> last game, right? Your, your leg didn't fall off. Like, you... You were healthy. You were. I'm. I'm just. I'm good. What was that like in terms of how how long it took before you really said I'm done, done, and I'm happy I did it? Well, it, it was a really tough thing to walk away from and to make that decision at, at that time. Um, I knew that just in my mind and in my heart that I was done with the game, but I still I still loved it, but just not enough to continue to be a player on a daily basis and. How long did it take? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm still, um, maybe I'm still getting over it, Doug. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, because, because I know because, I had. And, I and still tell me if I'm wrong, but you were ahead. Like Tom Brady has this whole TB method, but for people who didn't, you ate right, right? You took care of yourself. You were ahead of, in terms of nutrition and things, ahead of the curve in terms of how much you dedicated to yourself to your craft while you're playing. Is that fair? That is fair. Yes, absolutely. That is fair. Um, and that's something I learned just as I became an older player, um, that, yeah, you definitely have to take care of your body, especially me being a runner. Yes. You know, I, I realized that, you know, you can go in there and lift all the weights and do all these things. But for me, I needed to be elusive, fast, and be able to run for a long time. Um, and and uh, to do that, just, you know, I just couldn't, I just, I, I couldn't have just any habits. So so, so what uh, you're so. saying is you, you're still not totally over it, right? <laughs> no, I mean, but to answer your question, how long did it take? I, you know, I mean... I, I will always miss football, right? I, and it was, you know, I, I realized that I'm never going to find something like being in the NFL, you know, and I guess that's the way that I 
look at it and, you know, maybe um, kind of deal with it. Um, and I had, you know, so many fantastic memories, amazing memories um, that I've been able to take with me. And so I, I think for me, you know, that's kind of the medicine, the thing that allows me to to, to really be able to go on. And, and, and I realized that, hey, look, man, I mean, this was a very unique, special time. Um, you know, I gave it my all for, for those 10 years. And after that, I, I was done. And I, I really I really don't have any regrets as far as that, but yeah. I, I still love the game. And, and it's, it's great to think back on those those uh, things that I could do at the age of 25, um, <laughs> you know. And, and so, uh, but, yeah, so I, 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 can't, I can't complain about that. Okay, how about this one? Um, Barry Sanders <clears throat> joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. When when you were in the league, you, we mentioned Walter Payton. The, the running your team was synonymous with your running back. The running back was the franchise player, right? Roger Craig in San Francisco, and Eric Dickerson, and then Jerome Bettis was was with the Rams, and whoever your Marcus you mentioned Marcus Allen, and then Bo Jackson. Your team was it was more the running back was the team than now the quarterback is the team, and a good portion of the reason why running backs you. People aren't getting the big or the, your, your question that second contract is the beating they've taken. They've changed all the rules for wide receivers, for quarterbacks, okay, but none of them for running backs. And that the running backs' careers continue to feel like they're getting shorter and shorter in terms of the window of how much they can be elite. You were a former running back. You were able to survive for a decade in the NFL without, without, getting, without getting seriously hurt. If you were in charge or somebody said, Barry, what can we do so that we can elongate some of these windows of the top running backs careers? Can you think of anything? I, I don't know that I can think of something that could extend the careers of the running backs. I, I do think that there's still some really good running backs in the game um, that are difference makers on offense that are the most um, that are the most dominant offensive players, you know, like Derrick Henry, like Jonathan awesome. Taylor. Can you imagine um, tackling Derrick? You know, Henry? and and so, you know, there aren't there aren't many of those guys, and certainly, um, and certainly those are a couple of the guys that you can give the ball to twenty twenty five times a game, um, where a lot of other guys, you know, you're seeing two and three um, running backs share their running responsibility. Running back by committee, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, running back by committee. Um, you're seeing m- much more of that, but there are still those guys. Um, you know, that are a big part of what their offense do. Joe Mixon, uh, you know, who's playing in the Super Bowl, um, you know, he's a big part of, you know, he's a Pro Bowl running back this year. Um, you know, Zeke Elliott, he's, he's still around. I mean, he's not he's not. But, but again, like, like offense, a Zeke so. Elliott, here's a guy who's kind of fading, and he's not yet, yet 30 years old. There's, there's there anything we can do. Before we let, before we let you go, uh, Rocket Mortgage and Super Bowl Squares, what is it? Absolutely. Well, it's Rocket Mortgage, once again, just giving fans a chance to win a lot of cash during the big game. And so what happens is every score change, um, Rocket Mortgage is going to give $50,000 to a fan. Um, There's going to be two grand prizes of half a million dollars, which Rocket Mortgage will give away at halftime and at the end of the game. Um, You can go to rocketmortgagesquares.com to find out more about it. Uh, The entry window closes this Friday at midnight, uh, February 11th. It's free to play. So all the fans out there um, watching the game, you know, may, maybe get signed up and, you know, invite a friend. They'll give you maybe some additional squares if you do that. So, again, com is where fans can find out more about it. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. It's great to catch up. I'd love to do it again in the future. Thanks so much for joining us. 
great to be here, man. I enjoyed it. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. And um, one of the great things when, I mean, obviously getting a chance to work with a guy and now he's got commercials, he's got a new book out, is like your childhood memories of the greatest player in a sport and suddenly you get to know him and talk to him and that's what's going to occur here i grew up in orange california if you know anything about orange county it's south of los angeles orange abuts anaheim and anaheim was the anaheim stadium that's where the la rams used to play and again when i was a kid in orange there was no bigger superstar than our next guest his name's eric dickerson he of course it's not he wasn't just known for having a 2000 yard season he was known for the upright running style right he had the the rec spec glasses and he was a bigger than life figure and i i think with the Rams' success his storied career is being recognized in combination with with his new book that's out eric how are you i'm good how you doing good um there's there's a there's a a lot i want to get to i want to actually start go backwards with the book Mm -hmm. okay a lot of people when they have a pitch we do at the end we throw it in i got you but there's a lot to your career when did you start working on it? Was it during COVID and you were bored? Oh. And you sat down and you're like, all right, I'm getting it all out. I'm, I'm emptying the clip. Uh, man, it's way before COVID. I started, I started talking about this book 15 years ago uh, with a guy uh, that was a writer from uh, Indianapolis. He was a, a, a wrote poetry at, at IU. And uh, he said, Eric, man, we just sitting there. He said, man, you got such great stories. He said, I'm going to come down one day. I'm just going to write some stuff and just dictate it. I said, okay. So that's kind of started. And he, he passed away in a fire. And he sent me it. I sent me all the manuscripts. And then. Wait, wait. Your original writer passed away in a fire? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a wow. Yep. That's a wow. And so finally, I, you know, I had it I had it in my office. And I never did anything with it. And then my friend Gustavo Miguel, uh, he had read some of it. And, we, I, and some of the stories I told him, he said, Eric, man, you need to do a book, man. He said, your, your, your life is so interesting. Agreed. And so I said, okay. I said, well, find me a writer. Find me a guy. So he, he found me one guy. We thought we had a couple of guys. And you know how you, you, you know, when you talk, you want it to sound just like you. Correct. So one guy wrote something. I read it. And I won't forget. It was like, oh, and I said, you know, golly, we, gee whiz. I'm like, oh, hell no. That's not how I sound. <laughs> that's not how I sound. So then he, he said, Eric, I got a guy. He said, I read a book about a guy named Greg Hanlon. And it was a, it was a topic that was very boring, but he made it very interesting. And said, so, okay, so I talked to Greg, and we talked, and he said, Eric, I'd love to, tr- you know, to try to write your book. I, I think I do a great job. And finally, he wrote me a draft, and I read it. I said, it sounds just like me. I said, this is the guy. And so that's how we got started. It took about three and a half years, really, to get it, get it from start to finish. Wow. Um, and, and let me paint the picture for what it was like in, in my memory, okay? In the 80s, the Lakers were the biggest things on earth. <laughs> the Dodgers were great. The Angels were actually good in in in, uh, in 87. They lost to the Red Sox. The Raiders won the run the Whoa. Super Bowl, right? Yep. yep. And 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 in the NFL, 
your team was not your quarterback. Your team was your running back, That's right? That's it. That's it. Because it was, and yes, Joe Montana was, but it's also Roger Craig, and um, and yes, it was Jim Plunkett, but it was Marcus, Marcus Allen, Allen, and then Marcus Allen, Bo Jack. But the Marcus Allen run in Tampa in the Super Bowl was the most famous moment. And like you kind of go team by team, and we talk about all the time. The Seahawks were Kurt Warner, right? Yes, yep. they had Steve Lawrence, but it was Kurt Warner. Everybody had, and and so. Um, and you were, it wasn't just that you were a great player. You were taller, literally taller than everybody, <laughs> yeah. right? And you ran upright, and you had a big personality, like naturally a big personality. And you came kind of out of Texas where, you know, football. What was your existence like in Los Angeles? Because remember, you're playing in Orange County. is a little bit different. Uh, the NFL was viewed a little bit differently. What was your existence like during that time when it was star after star after star all playing for these L.A.-based sports teams? Well, you know, really, I, I didn't think about being a star. You know, when I came to L.A., um, I just wanted to be a good football player. I wanted to be a great football player. And I had a chance to start meeting stars. And I was like, wow, I won't forget I was, our doctor was Dr. Curlin. And I'd never been to a Laker game. That's Curlin Joe, by oh, the way. Joe, right? Yeah, yeah. So he says, Eric, you want to go to a basketball game? I said, sure. So the guy said, man, Dr. Curlin sits on the floor. I didn't know what the floor was. So I go to the Laker game, and I see, man, Magic comes over, Kareem, and uh, James Worthy. They're coming over to, to me. You, yeah, right. to me, shaking my hand. And then they announce, and I get a standing ovation. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, dang. So that was kind of my first inkling of being a star in L.A. Then I went to, I won't forget, I went to a restaurant I used to go to on Friday nights called Nikki Blair's. And uh, I saw Nikki was the owner and I look up and I say, that's Clint Eastwood. I said, Nikki, he said, yeah. He said, Eric, he'd love to meet you. I said, no. Nah. He said, no, come over meet Clint. So as I walk over when I get close to him, he say, hey, Eric, how you doing? I said, I'm a big fan. I said, oh, Mr. Eastwood, I'm a big fan. So <laughs> that is just kind of how it kind of evolved around L.A. And I didn't look at myself as being a star, you know, because one thing was, we were in Orange County. You're right. Orange yeah. County is outside of L.A. Yes. To me, the stars were in L.A. You yes. know? And we played in Orange County and um, you know, Greg, I mean, I tell say this much. I mean, I love playing for the Rams. I still love it. You know, I just wish I could I wish I could have had my whole career there, but it didn't work out like that. Well there was there was a lot. There, there's a lot people don't remember about the old ownership oh, with Georgia oh. Frontieri. Yeah. They don't remember where the NFL was and 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 uh, let's uh in the book mm-hmm. Do you talk about SMU? Of course. Of course I talk about SMU. So, okay, so do, do we get real with, with, the, with the cars and with the, with the cash? Or are we going to do the 30 for 30? You're like, man, I don't know how that's that, that's up. Well, well, first of all, I talk about everything. But let me tell you something. Yes, I talk about the car. And, yes, my grandmother bought that car for real. Let me explain this story to okay. you so, so you'll know it. It's, it's in the book. So you, 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 it's a Trans Am, right? It's a trans, gold Trans Am. Yeah, I mean, it, was like, it wasn't smoking the band. It was the black Trans Am. Eric Dickerson was I, the, the gold, gold Trans Am. And the car cost $14,500. I remember the price of the car. So I saw the car. It was at uh, Leo Johnning and Pontiac, right off the 10 freeway. And I stopped by it a couple times, looked at it, and I, my, my, I told my mother about it. She said, oh, okay. And so um, some of the A&M boosters knew that I liked their car. So my grandmother, which is my grandmother lives in Houston. Now, this is not my lady who raised me. I was adopted by my great-great-aunt. People think that was my grandmother. My grandmother and my grandfather lived in Houston. So they said, okay, Eric, said, we're going to meet you over at Leo Johnning. And I said, okay. So we drove down, looking at the car. And I just, you know, walking around looking at other cars, and they came out and said, okay, here you go, the keys. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Take it. And I didn't find this out till later because I, I, I think I was, I was still in the NFL. I retired from the NFL. And uh, Johnny Mae Shavers is my grandmother's name. My, my grandfather's name was Horace Shavers. I said, Mom, Johnny Mae, how did that car come about? She said, oh, Eric, I'll tell you how that car came about. She said, we bought the car. She said, we bought the car. A&M gave us the money back for the car. Sure. That's how the car got paid for. So, like I said, my grandmother bought the car. <laughs> well, you, you weren't lying. You just did, I, o- omitted just a slight, <laughs> it's a slight, slight, that, that slight. Was it. Um, the Rex Spec goggles. Mm-hmm. 
How, what what is your 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 vision issue? Is what terrible? This but like I don't even know. It's all hard. Like 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 read something like, like this. No, like or if, I, if it... I take these glasses off, I can't see far away at all. I okay. Mean, so for me to try to play football without glasses was was crazy. I mean, I had to wear my school glasses when I started for my school glasses when I started, first started playing. But you know, the Rex Rex became like. I guess for synonymous with me, and yes. I, I hated them things, man, because they would fog up. You know, they would, they, they protect your eyes, but I couldn't see, and I couldn't wear my school glasses anymore. So they came up with Rex Specs, you know, and and I got a pair, and they just they became famous. Upright running style, right? Like so, so Roger Craig had the high knee, mm-hmm. right? And you yours was upright, and it was it seemed. Wait, you can't run through dudes <laughs> upright. They're gonna. Did did people tell you you're gonna get hurt? Like what? what? I, I heard that all the time, man. You know, I won't forget we played the uh, Saints uh, after my rookie year, and um, I, we I was at the Pro Bowl with Ricky Jackson. We sitting on us a wall that we sit on and talk. He said, Eric, he said, man, I got to tell you, man. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, we played you. He said, we saw you on film, and he said. And that's they had the Soul Patrol. They, you know, the Saints would hit. Yeah. He said, oh, we're going to break his big ass. You know, it's pretty. We're going yeah. to break him down. And he said, man, I got to say, the harder we hit you, the harder you ran. He said, it was crazy to us. He said, and you, and you really wasn't running upright. And, I, and that was the thing. People thought I was running upright. Yeah. The only time I ran upright, when I got an open field. Now it's time to get upright. That, that, was, that was my style. Uh, it was your style. You also had the Jerry Curl working. Yeah, the Jerry Curl working, yeah. Okay, so how, what, what, what is that like in terms of getting ready for a game? You got sweat. You got activator, right? This is uh, you know, What do you know about the activator? Come on, like, man. You had, some, you, had, you, had, you, had, you had some activator? Yes. You had, you had a lot of stuff going man, on. Like, that, how much, like, yeah, and you know how football coaches are. They're probably like, man, you're worried too much about your hair. You get that stuff on your hands. You can't hold on to a football. I didn't, I didn't worry about my hair. I didn't because you know I, the, the, like you'd wash your hair after the game you put the activator on and it'd be curly again that was it I mean and boom you, and before the game look I was getting ready for a football game this, this is old school football you worry about I how know, you look I know but old but, school football but, to have you, to have a Jerry you, girl you know there's football guys like man he's pretty he cares too much about his hair <laughs> no you know I mean, you know what I cared more about my uniform my uniform look that's what I want I want to look good in that uniform okay 29 did you want that number uh, you know the story about that either? No. Okay, so when I got drafted, you know, I was 19 in college. Yes. So I went number 19. When I got drafted, um, I got to the Rams. I said, I said, you know, you meet with the trainer. I said, well, I want number 19. He said, you can't wear that. That's a quarterback's number. I yeah. said, okay, well, what can I have? He said, you can have we had 29, 25, 32, and 34. I said, well, I'll just take number 25. I said, okay. So in the L.A. Times, you look it up, I'm holding up number 25 on draft day. So when I get back, my best friend says, man, so what number, what number did you take? We're talking. He picked me up. I Who is said, it? My What's best friend, Charles Drayton. He okay. lives in Orange. He's my best. He's living in Orange County. He said, what number did you take? I said, I took 29. Now I took 25. He said, 25? Why you take that? That's a slow ass number. Why you take that number? I said, what numbers they have? And I told him, I said, 29, 20. He said, why you take 29? I'm like, oh, yeah, man. So, man, I could not sleep the night that night. I, I, I said, I got to change my number. I couldn't hardly sleep. So I called back to the Rams the next morning. I said, hey, Mr. Hewitt, I want to change my number. He said, well, Eric, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're in L.A. Times, hold on number 25, so you got to wear 25. So you know what? I'm not coming in. He said, well, you'll be 29. That's how I became 29. <laughs> hey, Eric Dixon, listen, I, I know you got to run. You got th- this whole thing. Um, I, I do want to ask you, like, the Rams now – you never would have left, right? Because oh man, but listen, let me again. People forget Georgia Frontieri, like she she wouldn't wouldn't pay you, right? That was that was the issue, and now you have an owner that puts six billion dollars <laughs> or five billion dollars into a stadium. He paid a billion dollars to St. Louis so that he could get out of St. Louis, right? And he's bringing in more stars, the better. Like this is 
what you always wanted. You know, I always wanted to play for for a good owner. You know, back in those days, Eddie DiBartolo was the guy to play for at the 49ers. Sure. I mean, I wish I could have played for a guy like them, him. But, you know, we didn't have that. And it's not all about George. It was more about John Shaw. And John Shaw was the guy running the team. And John Shaw was, you know, when you hear things later is that the Rams didn't have the money. But, I mean, look, people thought I was asking for all this money. I was just trying to get paid fairly. I was making $150,000. You know, at one point, the highest I made with the Rams was 400 I mean, so, and running backs, guys that were drafted no, you, after me was making eight hundred, nine hundred. And I mean, you and you were the fran- people have to understand running backs were the franchise back you, then, you, right? You, you were the franchise back in those days. And and what thing is when the media wrote something back in those days, people believed it. We had no we had no Twitter, we had no Instagram, we had no way of telling our story. So when a beat writer wrote something for the team, well, they ain't write in our favor, they're writing the team's favor. Sure. So that, that so that's, that's how I got crucified. You 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 also took a hard stance against Jeff Fisher and his offense, right? You said change needed to be happened and Sean McVay has changed things. Like you were right. Okay, <laughs> but McVay wasn't great in the last Super Bowl. What do you want to see from Sean McVay's team on Sunday? Well, I don't say, you know, you know, in that Super Bowl, there was a lot of things going on in that Super Bowl. I just felt like that, and honestly, I said this for we didn't have the right guy at quarterback. That, 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 I mean, to me, that, that, that was it. And we didn't run the football like we should have. That was the first Super Bowl. In this game here, I feel like that we have the right guy at quarterback. I think we have the right – I knew we have the right coach for sure. And I think we have the right defense. What I want to see is if we don't turn the football over – I've said this the last – three weeks. If we don't turn the football over, we control the football game and we win the game easily. I'll say that Sunday for Sunday's game. Don't turn the ball over, we win this game easily. The book is Watch My My Smoke. It's the great Eric Dickerson, the Hall of Famer, the upright running style, the Rex Specs, the Jerry Curl, the the Trans Am. It's all all in the book. E, thanks so much for joining us. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks. Good seeing you, man.